Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. I thought they really nailed it with the first two. And then, um, I mean, those are the 
those are the big picks. Those are the ones that, to me, really define a draft. If you know, whatever you get on the third day, I mean, it's almost kind of a bonus. But you gotta, you gotta hit home runs with uh, with the first couple picks. And I thought they did. I, I thought that uh, uh, having the opportunity to get Andre Dillard, which was um, I mean, a little bit of good fortune that uh, that he fell in the draft and got uh, close enough that they were able to make the deal to move up and get him. Uh, but I thought that was uh, I thought that was really really good on their part that they uh, they saw the opportunity and they seized it. And uh, you know, he he was the number one. He was my number one offensive tackle uh, in in my rating system. I had him at the top of the class, and uh, I never would have thought that the Eagles, who started the day at number 25 would be in a position to draft a player that good, but they did. Uh, they had to make a trade up to get them, but they did. And I thought that was, I thought that was a great move and obviously helps them tremendously along the offensive line now. And for a long time, I mean, he, they certainly are already, I'm sure they've already got him penciled in as Jason Peters's successor, whenever Jason Peters steps aside. Uh, and then with the, uh, with their second pick, they get Miles Sanders, who was, a really good back out of Penn State, and I, I kind of thought that he would be a fit for them. The only question was, would he be there when they came to bat in the second round? And he was, and they got him. So um, I thought that was uh, – I thought those two picks right there, to me, that, that kind of major draft. And then whatever happens beyond that, I think, is uh, is sort of a bonus. Well, Ray, were you surprised that uh, – well, they only had five picks, but four of them were used on the offensive side of the ball. Did that uh... – surprise you any or you think they just went best player available as they they preach but i don't know if that's really the way it works uh well they do talk about that and i, and I think to uh pretty much I, I think they're pretty true to that i mean they'll you know there, there there is a point where you reach that not everybody it's it's not all that clearly delineated i mean sometimes the grades are pretty close and, and you have to make a decision one over another and i'm sure with with the third pick um they they probably had I'm sure they had some defensive players that had really good grades because there were there were a lot of good ones on the board especially in the secondary and especially at the safety position where I think the Eagles really could use uh, some young blood and so that was kind of the, that was kind of the choice I think they really had they really had to make there I, you know the Dillard pick to me was uh, you know was an obvious one they made the trade up we knew who they were going to get um, I thought the Sanders was uh, it was an easy pick for them at that point. But the next one was probably they had to probably had to really make a choice on. And uh, our Sega Whiteside, you know, I, at that point I really kind of thought they were going to go defense there with that second second round pick. Uh, and there were some really good safeties still on the board, including uh, Nasir Adderley, the safety out of Delaware, who I think is a really nice player. Uh, and I saw him sitting there, and I thought, wow, that would be a nice pickup. And when they went offense again, I'll, I'll say this: I was surprised because I really kind of thought they were going to go defense there, but I can't argue with it. Uh, Arcega Whiteside is, uh, I mean, that's about the grade that I had for him. That's right about where I had him going. Um, I mean, I think the Eagles could have gone either way there, and they chose they chose to go get another receiver, go get another weapon for uh, for Carson Wentz, and it's you know it's pretty clear if it was if it wasn't clear before, it was pretty clear after this draft that everything about this football team right now is is giving Carson Wentz every possible advantage coming into this season. Um, they're reinforcing the offensive line. They got him a running back. They got him yet another good target in the in the red zone. Uh, I mean, this whole draft was really about uh, giving Carson Wentz more equipment to to take into the season. I and if that's the strategy, I can't argue with it. Ray, uh, you, talk about, you talk about Miles Sanders. They also draft another Penn Stater defensive end, Sharif Miller. And I should note that I am a Penn State alum. So <laughs> as, as a follow-up, the Birds also signed a couple of Penn Staters as undrafted free agents, including an offensive lineman named Ryan Bates, who a lot of people thought would be drafted. And Bill and I are pulling for Bates because a year and a half ago, he was the very first active athlete that we had as a guest on our show. Does Ryan Bates have a shot? Uh, I think he does, uh, and I and I agree with you that uh, uh, I had him I had him going in the draft. I had him going on day three. I didn't think he'd be a super high pick, but I thought that he would. I was a little surprised, not more than a little surprised. I was I was very surprised that he didn't get drafted. But he's a very nice pickup for the Eagles. Uh, you know, I like him. He's this guy's got some versatility. He can play tackle and guard. Uh, you know, six four, three oh five, three oh six, and um, you know played. Played right tackle and was and was a very good player. I mean, it's you look back over uh, over his career there. He was a three-year starter, and you look at the production of Saquon Barkley and and Miles Sanders. I mean, they they're good players, but they didn't get all those yards on their own. I mean, they had 
some pretty good players playing in front of them, and and Brates was one of them. And I I really thought that uh, I I really kind of thought he was going to get drafted, and when he did not, um, I I immediately put him on my list of uh, priority free agents, and I didn't know where he was going to go. But then I found out a few hours later that he had decided to come to the Eagles. And, you know, I think it works both ways. I think it's a good pickup for the Eagles because I think they could still use more depth. Everybody can use depth on the offensive line, but I think the Eagles really could use some more because they've got some age there uh, and some injury concerns. And I think it's a, I think it's a good fit for Bates because I think it gives him an opportunity to uh, sort of stay close to home and uh, go to a team where a good team, that I think is uh, is looking to to shore up the offensive line. I think he'll have an opportunity to help out doing that. And by the way, guys, I'm friends with Ryan's father, whose name is I kid you not, Norman Bates. <laughs> not the same guy, but Norman Bates. Uh, regarding Miles Sanders and the other running backs they have, are the Eagles going to go running back by committee again this year, Ray? Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. I um, and that's fine. I mean, you look around the league; that's what most teams are doing now. Uh, and um, you know, they when before, back at the end of the season, when you looked at the at the roster and you looked at the guys they had, you said, "Man, that's that's an area where they need they need to go out and get some players." And they did. I mean, this, the acquisition of Jordan Howard was a good one. Um, I, they got him at a very reasonable price, and still a young player uh, who had a couple of really good years in Chicago. And you know, now he comes here, and I think he's I think at least initially he's going to be your number one back. But uh, Sanders is very good. I mean, I I think that he's going to play a lot, and it would it really wouldn't shock me if by the end of the year that he's he's the number one guy. But that's going to be it. I mean, it's going to be those two guys, and probably Corey Clement coming back from his injury, and then I don't know. I mean, I, we're still waiting to hear if, if Darren Sproles wants to continue playing. I kind of think he won't. I, I kind of think that uh, that. Um, then we'll probably see the last of him in Philadelphia, which is too bad. I mean, terrific player and a great guy and uh, had a great, great career. But I, I have a feeling that uh, that he won't be back. So I think that, that your, your one, two, three are, are, are going to be Sanders and, uh, uh, and Howard and probably Clement. And then, you know, some of the other guys, I mean, Josh Adams and some of those guys will have a chance to compete. But it's going to be running back by committee. But listen, if most teams are doing that now, and uh, the Eagles have had success with that approach before. I mean, they've had uh, – I remember the backfield with uh, Deuce Staley, Brian Westbrook, and Corral Buckholder. That uh, won a lot of games for you. And if you have the right guys and the right system, it can work again. Hey, Ray, just a, an overall draft question because this really – it puzzles me, but it bothers me um, that 49 players, if, if these numbers are accurate, 49 players who came out early did not get drafted out of the 144 that came out. I know there's a process in place to direct these kids in the right direction. How does that happen? And Ryan Bates happening to be one of them. Um, how, how does that happen with these guys getting all this advice and seemingly maybe making wrong decisions? Yeah, well, it happens. It happens every year um, that guys who should stay in school don't. Um, you know, they get, uh, you know, they get, a, they, you know, they get advice from people that say, no, 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 you'll, you know, you'll, you'll be drafted. Don't worry about that. And, and then you wind up in the situation that they're in right now, where now they're scuffling. Now they're hoping to get a free agent invitation, and, um, and some guys do, and some guys don't. It's, um, I mean, it's really a problem, and that's one of the reasons why I was, I was sorry to see the. Uh, the Alliance of American Football uh, go out of business in less than one year because I really do think there's a need for that kind of developmental league out there. I just uh, there you know there are a lot of good football players around uh, that are, are just need a little experience and an opportunity. And uh, I thought that the uh, the Alliance of American Football was a was a really good idea. I mean, all the other sports, everybody else has a farm system. You know, the hockey there's a farm system in hockey. There's a farm system. We we know about that in baseball. There's even one in basketball now, uh, but they don't have anything like that in football. And they've tried it a couple times. They tried it with the World League, and they've tried, you know, back in back in the day, back when I first started covering the Eagles in the 70s, there was a thing called the Seaboard Football League, where you had, you know, the the Pottstown Firebirds and uh, the Norfolk Neptunes and and those kinds of teams. Um, but it was a place where the guys who didn't quite make it in training camp, they kind of a place where they could go play, develop their skills, and you know, some of them can wind up in a year or two years later coming to the National Football League and making an impact. So um, I've, I've, that's why I was kind of – when other people were laughing at the idea of the Alliance of American Football, I wasn't 
because I said, you know, that's look, it's never going to make a ton of money and it's never going to get huge TV ratings, but it's it's uh, it's necessary because you have you have a lot of guys out there that are good football players that if they had another year or two to work and develop their skills might actually be able to make it in the NFL, but if they don't have that place to go play, they just wind up uh, their career ends prematurely. And I'm old enough that I went to see a Pottstown Firebirds game back in the day, Ray, so uh, I remember them. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, I remember them very well. I mean, I, I started yeah. covering the Eagles in 70, um, and uh, it was, the irony of it was that the, the Eagles were a, were a terrible team back then, and the Firebirds were really good. You know, the <laughs> Eagles were, were a team. They, they struggled to win three games that year, and the Firebirds went undefeated almost. They lost one game, but they won the championship. And uh, – I used to get so it used to get so frustrating for me covering the Eagles and watching how bad they were stumbling around and losing games one after another that you know I used to I used to drive up to Pottstown pretty much every Friday night just to watch the Firebirds play to to see a good football team in action and you know some of those guys were pretty good I mean it's uh one of the receivers on that team was a guy named Jack Dalbin who uh wound up he didn't never played for the Eagles but he wound up signing as a free agent with the Denver Broncos and uh and played and played well for the Broncos in fact was on one of the Broncos Super Bowl teams and uh, they had another receiver named Ron Holiday, who uh, wound up playing playing pretty well and played for a while with the San Diego Chargers. So, yeah, there were some good football players in that league, and it was a very entertaining brand of football. A lot of those guys, including the coach, Ron Waller, wound up, they were really kind of the backbone of the Philadelphia Bell when the World Football League was created. That's, you know, pretty much Ron Waller was hired as the, as the coach and general manager, and he pretty much took all the Pottstown Firebirds lock, stock, and barrel and moved them in and called them the Philadelphia Bell and, and they were uh, they were they were a fun team. They were a fun team to watch, and they were a fun team to cover. Hey Ray, as follow up, uh, in the draft we talk about that fifth rounder Clayton Thorson out of Northwestern. How do you see that playing out? Is Nate Studfeld, Carson Wentz, Clayton Thorson are these are these the three guys we're going to look at, or you think they're still going to bring a veteran in to to bulk that up? No, I think that's it. I think it's those guys. Um, and that and that's fine. I, mean, I I really did think that going into the, the third day of the draft, that one of the picks they were going to come back with was going to be a quarterback. Um, in fact, I was I was kind of thinking I don't. This was just me off the top of my head, but I, I kind of it, I was kind of thinking that they might be Easton Stick, who's the quarterback at North Dakota State, who yeah. was was but was was buddies with Carson Wentz and uh, and actually was the was Wentz's backup when he was in college and then took over the job when Wentz came on to the Eagles. Uh, and I kind of thought he might, it seemed like a very natural fit for them to bring him in here and, you know, be Wentz's backup again. Um, not just because they're buddies, but, uh, you know, they could go hunting on their day off together. But, <laughs> uh, but the fact is, if you really went back and you, and you watched Stick play, uh, he's a pretty good player. I mean, he's not, he doesn't have the size or the overall athletic skill set that Wentz does. But he's pretty good. I mean, uh, he set, he broke pretty much all of Carson's records in college and won three national championships uh, and had some like some ridiculous like you know forty eight and three one loss record or something. I mean, he's a pretty good player, and I I kind of thought that he might be a day three pickup for the Eagles. And as it turns out, uh, the team going one one pick ahead of them, the the Chargers took him. And then that's when the Eagles, uh, they, they jumped right back and took the next quarterback on their board, who was Thorson. Uh, who's, uh, I thought that was good. I, I, I really like him. He uh, saw a lot of him playing in the Big Ten with Northwestern. And, um, and he, had, uh, he had a really good career there. I mean, we, we all know what Northwestern football has been over the years. I mean, it's certainly not a powerhouse. And, you know, they get pushed around in the Big Ten quite a bit. But, I mean, when he was their quarterback, they went to three straight bowl games. And uh, he won a lot of games. In fact, he won more games at Northwestern than any quarterback in the school's history. So uh, he's got some credentials and uh, got some size and some ability. He's had a few injuries. He had an ACL injury and then he had a shoulder surgery. But it uh, didn't seem to affect him this past year. Uh, I, I actually thought it was a good pick. I, I, it would have been fun to see Easton Stick be the guy because I think it would have been, I think it would have been, you know, it would have made for a very harmonious quarterback room next year with the two North Dakota guys and uh, and Nate Sudfeld there. But uh, I think, uh, you know, I think Thorson will fit right in. Now, we all know what what the Eagles' plans for Carson Wentz are. I mean, he's going to be their quarterback long term. I mean, none of the, none of these guys are going to come in and beat him out. But uh, I do think there's a in in Thorson. I think they have a young guy that's got some ability and and they can develop him. And they certainly now they have the time to do that. They don't have to rush him. 
Well, regarding Carson Wentz, did the Eagles do the right thing, Ray, in extending him a fifth year now rather than, you know, give him the big contract? Because if he has a good year and stays healthy, they're going to have to pay him a ton of money next year. Yeah, but um, there's nothing to say they can't still do that. I mean, they they were on a deadline uh, where they just had to give them the fifth, pick up the fifth year option, which they did. But they get, that leaves open the possibility they can still negotiate negotiate the contract. Uh, and worse comes to worse, at the end of the fifth year, you can make him a franchise player, which I'm, I mean, nobody wants to do that, and I hardly think it's going to come to that. This was more. I mean, everybody knew this was coming. This was more just almost a bookkeeping issue than anything else, and. And uh, I don't think there's any – you know, I certainly don't have any questions about the Eagles' commitment to Carson Wentz. I mean, they drafted him with the idea that he was going to be their franchise guy for a long time. And when he's had the opportunity to play, I think he's demonstrated that he's got that kind of ability. It's just a question of his durability, I suppose. But uh, he's – yeah, he's when when we had an opportunity to talk to him a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he's on the road back. I mean, he's still got some work to do, but I it's not that surprising. I mean, when you consider the severity of the injuries that he's had, but uh, you can I think you can certainly tell that he's he's really committed to this, and he's you know he's had two years in a row now where he didn't get to finish the season, uh, and he saw his team in the postseason once in a Super Bowl where he was standing on the sidelines and didn't get a chance to be part of that. And, uh, I mean, he's such a fierce competitor that you know that he's uh, – I mean, he's determined that he's going to be – he came here to win a championship, and I, I think he's more determined than ever to do that. Amen. Let's do it. Hey, Ray, let's talk defense for a minute. Um, as we said, not a lot in the draft. Uh, we've, they've bulked up the defensive front a little bit. Uh, still weak at linebackers, still have some hole in the, holes in the defensive backfield. Uh, where are we going to go from here with that? Uh, well, the, uh, I think the secondary is going to be okay. Um, I, I wish they would have. I, I kind of expected that they might draft a safety, a young safety, because there were some available. But um, if, you, if you look at the cornerback position, they've got, I mean, actually have an, an overabundance of cornerbacks for – this time a year ago when we were talking about the team and sizing up the team, I think we probably talked about all the question marks at the cornerback position and the need that they had a cornerback. And not so true now. I mean, they, they, they found themselves, uh, you know, they found themselves a couple players last year kind of almost out of necessity. But, you know, I mean, Cravon LeBlanc came in and, I mean, nobody knew who he was. But when he came in, he actually, he actually played pretty well. You know, Avante Maddox came in as a fourth-round draft pick. Most people didn't know very much about him. But when he had an opportunity to play, he played well, actually at two spots, at corner and at safety. So, uh, And you got Sidney Jones, who's a guy that they drafted a couple years ago with very high hopes for. And so far, the results haven't been there, but they're still hopeful that he's going to develop into that player. And then you've got, you know, Ronald Darby is back again, and Jalen Mills will be back from his injury. And you got Malcolm Jenkins, who's okay, he's 32, but he doesn't show any signs of aging. So the secondary looked to me looks to me like it's okay. I I would have liked to have had a young safety that you could develop behind Malcolm Jenkins, but I think the safety position they can kind of line up and play right now. Uh, defensive line, the addition of Jackson, um, Malik Jackson is a good player. Uh, I think that uh, you know he'll certainly come in and help them. Uh, Cox is obviously an All Pro. You know Graham and and Barnett. You know Barnett has to come back from his injury, but they think that he will. Um, there's some question now about Chris Long about whether he's going to come back or not. Um, he's indicated that he may not. That would be a loss. But I think they're okay there. The question that you ask about linebacker, yeah, I mean that's a real one. I mean right now at linebacker, you are pretty thin. I mean the only guy you've got that you know you've got some experience and you know he can really play is Nigel Bradham. Uh, and then you've got a bunch of just other guys, Nathan Jerry, Camus, Rouget Hill, um, you know, that, that group of guys. But, uh, you know, the way the way Jim Schwartz plays his defense, you know, he very often only has two linebackers on the field. I mean, and everybody in the NFL today, your nickel defense is almost your base defense. I mean, the days of the old 4-3 uh, with, you know, with, you know, you know the old days of Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, and Andy Russell playing every down. Those, that's long ago. You know, if teams are playing with two linebackers, sometimes just one linebacker, and um, that's probably the, the yeah, you know, that's the way I think the Eagles are. A lot of teams are going. I think that's the way the Eagles are going to go. But even as it stands right now, I think they could probably use 
they could probably use another guy because Bradham's a good player and he's he's played well for them in in, in a variety of different roles. But um, I, I think they could definitely use another linebacker. One of the one of the free agents they signed, I think, has a chance to make this team and um, and actually uh, contribute this year. And that's the kid T.J. Edwards from Wisconsin. T.J. Edwards, yeah. Yeah, not a bad player. I mean, he's uh, he's another guy. Uh, he's another guy that I thought would get drafted, almost like Bates. I kind of thought that uh, uh, when I was looking at the board after the draft was all over, there were a couple there were a couple guys still up there that I thought I'm a little surprised that they didn't get drafted. Bates was one, and Edwards was another. Uh, he's a he's a kid from Wisconsin who's pretty good player uh, and uh, an inside linebacker and a, just a real active, always around the ball, good wrap up, solid tackler kind of guy. You know, doesn't have super speed and doesn't have the great measurables, but uh, a little bit of an overachiever type that I think the coaches will really like. And, you know, even I don't know that he's going to push his way into the starting lineup. That's probably a stretch, but I could see him being on the roster and a guy that makes an immediate contribution on special teams. Hey, Ray, last thing for me. In the past, you told us about your unexpected one-on-one interview with Muhammad Ali. You told us about your not great decision to reject Christy Brinkley's lunch date offer. (laughs) I want to finish up with another episode of Ray, Tell Us a Story. And this time, since it's baseball season, Ray, tell us why Lenny Dykes just still owes you a few thousand bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, $7,000. But who's who's counting? Um, Yeah, when Lenny was – when. In, during his brief his brief time as a magazine publisher, uh, and when he, when, Andy, when Lenny was still back in his entrepreneur entrepreneur days, uh, he started a magazine called The Player, uh, and it was meant to be a magazine geared towards f- professional athletes and former professional athletes, uh, talking about the athlete lifestyle and you know ways to take care of your. This is ironic now. Ways to take care of your money, <laughs> uh, ways ways to handle your investments. Uh, you know things you can do after you're done playing ball. Uh, all the things that Lenny was unable to do. Uh, he published a magazine telling other people how to do. Um, and uh, I guess they published maybe half a dozen issues or so. And um, uh, I, the editor contacted me and asked if I'd uh, be willing to write a couple stories for him. And uh, and then he gave me the price, and uh, I said, "Geez, that's that's pretty good." So uh, I, I did. I wrote two stories. I wrote one about uh, I wrote one about Terry Hogue, who was the uh, former safety that played for the Eagles. Uh, after his football, he had gone out to California. He had gone out to the Napa Valley, and he had uh, started a vineyard. He bought some land, started a vineyard, and he started a winery. Didn't you know he was not? He had no background in it. He just loved the countryside, loved the industry, got into it, and became very successful. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting story about how a guy created a career kind of out of nothing. And so I, and I knew Terry, I knew Terry well during his time in Philadelphia. So I did this profile of him. Uh, and I also did a second story about the uh, Clinton Portis, who was then playing for the Redskins um, and sent them in. And uh, they said, these are great. Fine. The magazine came out. I, they mailed me a copy of the magazine. I still have it on my bookshelf. Uh, the only thing that didn't come was the check. <laughs> so uh, the um, the uh, the magazine that actually is a pr- that proved to be the last edition of the player. Uh, so I've I've saved I've saved the magazine as as a true collector's item. But uh, I'm not expecting to I'm not expecting to get uh, a seven thousand dollar check from Lenny Dykstra any day soon. You don't check your mailbox every day. Uh, well, I do, I do, but with but without any without any great sense of expectation. Got it. Well, hey, Ray, before we let you go, Father's Day is coming up. Uh, your book, you've updated, the Eagles Encyclopedia Champions Edition. Give, give it a plug. Tell us where we can get it, where the listeners can get it. Great Father's Day gift. It is. It, it really is. It, it, uh, it, it's, thank you, Bill. I, I appreciate that. It, it is It is a terrific Father's Day gift. Uh, it did really well. This is actually the third edition of Eagles Encyclopedia. Uh, the first one came out right after the Super Bowl in Jacksonville. Then we did an updated version of it uh, after the first year of Chip Kelly. And then uh, I kind of said to the editors, I said, you know, I think we're probably okay unless they win a Super Bowl. If they win, if they win the Super Bowl, I think we probably need to go back and revise the book and, uh, and, and, and put the happy ending in there. And so, lo and behold, they did. So uh, we, we, uh, we turned out a third edition of the Eagles Encyclopedia, and that is called Eagles Encyclopedia Champions Edition. Uh, and it is in, it's in bookstores still. 
but uh, uh, it might be a little hard to find. Some bookstores have it, some bookstores don't. Uh, but you can go online to Amazon, which is where everybody does their book shopping anyway. You go yep. online to Amazon and you just enter either my name or Eagles Encyclopedia Champions Edition, and you'll be able to order it and get it shipped out in 24 hours. And it does, it really does make a great Father's Day gift. Awesome. All right, Ray. Well, as always, we appreciate you taking the time to join us, especially on our birthday again this year. <laughs> always a pleasure. Always enjoy talking to you guys. All right. Thank we you, hope Ray. to see you out at the we hope to see you out at the Vermeil outing again here in a few weeks. Oh, I'll be there. I mean, I'll certainly be there out at Downingtown. I, I enjoy that event every year because it's I mean it's great to see Dick. I mean, he's such a wonderful guy. Uh but it's great because it's an opportunity to see a bunch of guys that you know, that I hardly ever get to see except for that. I mean, the guys that come in from all over the country, like Jerry Sizemore and Bill Bradley and, uh, you know, Wilbert Montgomery and, and all these guys that, that you know, I, I don't ever get to see except at that golf tournament. It's really fun to go out there and just spend the day reminiscing. That's that's very enjoyable. All right. See you there. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks for, I'll see, thanks I'll for joining for, us, Ray. Uh, my pleasure. Take care, fellas. Bye-bye. All Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, as we celebrate our fifth anniversary, we want to give a big shout-out to the gang at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn. They've been supporting us for a little over two years now, and we can't thank them enough for that. This weekend, Derby Day Saturday, the Irish Rover has Blue Moon Draft and Derby Cocktail Specials, the Great Band Big Whiskey Saturday night, and then Corona Specials on Sunday, Cinco de Mayo. And don't forget that the Irish Rover has their always terrific Mother's Day brunch coming up soon, Sunday, May 12th to be specific. Awesome menu for that with seatings at 10, 11, 12, noon, and 1. Reservations are required. Call 267-560-5240. Again, 267-560-5240. Check their website. IrishRoverStationHouse.com. Hi, this is Chris Gaskell from the Irish Rover, and I just want to say congratulations to these great guys here at Press Box Radio for five years. It's been great working with you. Here's the five more. Five years. Hey, awesome. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. That's awesome, too. Hey, Chet. You know, when we started this show five years ago, I told you I had the best first guest. My neighbor at the time, Kevin McClure, was that guy. And if there's a sporting event going on, he knows about it. He travels to games. He goes all over the place. Kevin turned out to be a great first guest, has been back with us several times since. And we're going to have him again tonight. Yeah, I believe this is visit number four for Kevin. Well, Kevin, welcome back. And, uh... Happy birthday to you. Five years, hard to believe since you were with us the very first time. Yeah, it is hard to believe. Uh, congratulations uh, for uh, being on that long. There's a lot of shows that don't make it to the five-year mark for, for uh, you know, a myriad of reasons. So, mm-hmm. you know, congratulations. And, it, you know, it just keeps getting better and better uh, over time. The, the guests you have are, are second to none. Hey, Kevin, it was great seeing you and your son, Matt, at the Irish Rover a couple of months back. That was cool that you guys made the drive to hang out with us. Seems like your boys are both getting pretty serious about the broadcasting thing. Yes, uh, they both are. They're both uh, broadcast journalism majors. They they would love to do uh, sports. I'm, I, you know, I'm hoping that they, you know, I never wanted to disappoint them. You know, you follow your dreams and see where it takes you. And they're both doing that. And uh, this summer they're both going to be, play-by-play broadcasters for uh, some college summer league baseball. One is going to be about an hour away from Bill, and the other one's going to be right outside of Cincinnati. So, you know, I'm pumped for them and uh, pumped to be able to, you know, listen to to them broadcast games throughout the summer. I think that's going to be really cool. That is going to be good. And now, now Kevin, you, uh, Matthew goes to Penn State. Mark goes to Maryland. Now, they had an opportunity to – actually worked together uh, doing a game. Tell us how that all happened and tell us what it was about. Now, what, what happened was uh, Mark was doing uh, women's soccer at Maryland. He had pretty much, I think he had done two or three games at the time, and um, they he offered to go do that Penn State game, the away game. You know, the, the, the schools don't, you know, fund that stuff, so – for the radio station, Mark just said he would go do it. They gave him the equipment. I went up and got him. Uh, and we, uh, 
you know, I drove him, you know, to Penn State from the University of Maryland, and he, the two, you know, they let him. He didn't have a partner from Maryland, so they let him use his brother, who was at Penn State. That was the first time I think Matthew was on the air um, for anything. So um, it was really cool for that. It, you know, the only bad thing about that is you know what traffic's like around Washington D.C. and trying to get from <laughs> yeah. there to Penn State. I got there about five minutes before the game started we were supposed to get there like an hour and 40 minutes before the game started and they had to rush through it and as mark went on the air it was kind of funny he said how oh, we just had some technical difficulties we're five minutes in <laughs> and uh they did the broadcast and uh you know once they settled down a little bit they uh i thought they did really great they worked well together i'm sure Hey, Kevin, you're watching all kinds of sports all the time. Still, what's your take on the Phillies? I know they're in first place, but they're not exactly setting the world on fire. Do they have enough pitching to be legitimate contenders this year? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I, I, I'm i not sure that they do, but I think if you look around the division, Chad, I don't know if anybody really – I think some of the teams have pitching, but they're, every one of these teams that the Phillies are competing against have pretty pretty big holes to fill. You know, I, I've been down to see the Nationals. Mark's seen them a bunch of times. And, you know, their bullpen, except for two guys, can't really get anybody out. You know, the Mets have hit pretty well. But if you look at, you know, guys like DeGrom and, and uh, um, what's – the Syndergaard has been okay. But the other guys have, you know, have been pretty me- much mediocre. So, while we expect it, and Scherzer, I think, has only won one start all year for the Nationals. So, you know, the, the pitching – Nobody seems to be getting it through a month. Um, I thought the Phillies would hit a lot more than – I did not think we would see this kind of slump that we've seen for the last couple of weeks. Um, So I am concerned about that a little bit. Um, But I I really think that they're going to – this is going to be a four-team race all year long. And I I don't know if I would go out and – I don't. Do you got, I don't really think guys like Dallas Keuchel and Kimbrel are going to be the difference between making the playoffs or not making it or winning a World Series. I, I just don't know if they're over the hump type players. I'm, for what they want, I think I would just wait and you know wait till you're ready to really be a competitor for the you know for the championship before I would go spend that kind of money instead of handcuffing themselves now. Cause I don't really think the Phillies are win now right now. Mm-hmm. So, Kevin, if you were a betting man, um, would you have bet that Bryce Harper would get booed by the Philly faithful prior to May 1st? Uh, that kind of surprises me a little bit, but, you know, I actually have been very impressed with Harper. I, I don't think he said really one wrong thing since he's been here. No. You know, so um, I think – I'm not too worried about him. He's had the spotlight on him his whole career, um, ever since he was like 15 years old or maybe even younger than that. So um, I don't think that's going to intimidate him. I, I just, you know, he's not – he hasn't really been that 330 hitter. And, you know, he does go through streaks. I think he's, you know, he's going to deliver the home runs and RBIs for the Phillies. Um but there's going to be moments like this. And plus, he didn't really do anything for a few months there. How late was he to camp? By the end of February, they were already, you know, a few weeks in. So, you know, if you look at, you know, some of the guys the Phillies, like at Arietta last year, I think he's been way better, you know, so far this year. And, you know, he, he didn't have the spring training or all of it. And he was he really wasn't that great, you know, all year. So, um, you know, maybe there's something to these guys you know, not being in camp and having to worry about that and not, you know, uh, a part of the team until, you know, very late. So it could be a little bit of an adjustment period. The good thing is he's seeing pretty much the same pitchers in the same division and the, you know, so that should be something he's used to, but I'm not really too worried. I think we're going to get what we expect from Harper when the year is over. So Kevin, when I don't you think that's much above us. like a 250 average. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be all right. I'm not worried. Kevin, when you first joined us five years ago, we billed you as the sports junkie because you saw so many sporting events. What are you most mm-hmm. looking forward to now on the sports scene over the next year or so? Boy, next year or so. Um, I'd probably say, uh, you know, the, uh, the, my favorite events are, are – it's really become the – I really look forward every year to the college football playoff. 
Um, you know, if uh, I think, you know, if Penn State would ever make something like that, and they were very close a couple of years ago, um, you know, I'd almost feel like I'd have to try and get to be a part of that somehow. <laughs> um, but uh, that that event and, and what leads up to it and all the discussion, you know, the fighting between the fan bases and that because it's all subjective and uh, it definitely is something that, you know, I look forward to uh, every year. All right. Relatively well, new on the calendar, but I think it's become it's just bec- it's going to just get bigger and bigger. Well, Kevin, we've already run out of time. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and uh, especially on our fifth birthday, ours and yours together. Uh, yep. Thanks for coming by. Yep, thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it, and let's go for another five years. Let's Sounds do it good. again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, thank you. All right. Hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave LaVoy from Allstate in Westchester, PA. You know it, Bill. The same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal. Then show you the right financial solutions to help you get there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave LaVoy in Westchester, PA. 610-430-0700 and start planning for your retirement today. That's right. Dave Lavoy at Allstate, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, here's that Tom Petty that you were asking for last week. Here we go. Very good. Hey, if I ask for Stevie Nicks this week, can I get, get that next week? Absolutely. By the way, check out the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. She opened uh, the show with a half-hour set. Very good. Half-hour? Wow. I will have to check that out because otherwise I ain't watching it. Okay. Ted, as we said in the opening, Sixers bounced back to even the series, or round two series with Toronto, one game to one. Uh, What do you think? Uh, kind of like what happened with the net series, a horrible game one, but then they certainly turned things around for game two. And I liked what they did in game two, playing much better defense. And Brett Brown made some adjustments, which made our next guest very happy. I know. Well, that's right. We want to welcome back our resident Sixers fan, Fred Hugo, to get his take on how this series is going to play out. Fred, welcome back. You happy? You sad? What? Uh, where? Where do you stand after two games? First of all, congrats, guys! Five years—that's freaking awesome. Good stuff, Thanks, Fred. Thank you, sir. And um, and you're as far as the Sixers go. Um, you know, I, I'm two. I mean, against Brooklyn, you kind of expected them to probably bounce back in some way or another. But the way they bounced back, I was really impressed with the adjustments. But after that first game against the Raptors and Brett Brown putting out Maz, Boban, and Ennis in one <laughs> substitution in the first quarter, I was like, what is going on? Like, I was really down on, on him, and I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me to even consider that an option. And I still feel that way. I'm still on the fence with Brett Brown. But for him to come back game two and make the adjustments he did, go go back to Greg Monroe, activate – Amir Johnson, knowing the potential for injury that he would need another center that's not Boban to come in the game, um, which he did have three minutes in that fourth quarter. And if you heard Greg Anthony talking about it, he the whole goal was to just stay even. Like he walk out of there with a plus minus or of zero or negative two. Um, defensively, they put in bead on um, Siakam, and then they had Ben guard Kawhi, and uh, it, it really worked out. I was. I was very happy, you know. So Well, I, I'm, I'm I wanted pop- to ask you guys both. This was my very first question I had for you. Uh, Brett Brown is a lightning rod. I, I don't I, – I can't remember anybody that is on like a game-to-game basis as this guy. <laughs> he's an idiot. He's a genius. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. He's a genius. He's a genius. He's a genius. What What is it with this guy that has this fan base just all cranked up? Take it, Fred. Fred go. Well, Fred go. well I, I, I don't. I wouldn't call him a genius. He's more an idiot than than not. You know what I mean? It's not like a genius, like because the idiot moves are like by far like ridiculous. Where the smart moves are more like, 
oh, okay, you do have it up there to make a move like that. So I think, I said, me included, wants him to succeed, like literally would like him to succeed. I mean, he went through all that tanking, and he's still here, and, and, they, and they got 50 wins back-to-back years. I mean, they're having a good regular season now that he has a team. So we want him to succeed. So when you see him, you know, finally do things that you're like, okay, where, why were you such a bonehead in those situations? Um, you just get excited, and you, you want him to do well. Hey, Fred, Ben Simmons has not been his usual productive self offensively. He was held to you know single digits the other night in points, assists, and rebounds. But he did play pretty good defense. I know that Kawhi scored 35 points. Not all of them were when Ben was guarding him. I think when Simmons was guarding him, he didn't make any of his threes, and I think he did a pretty good job. And, you know, Leonard's going to get his. Are you okay with Simmons not scoring a whole lot if he's playing good defense? I mean, he's young. He has to develop, you know. I mean, this is his second year in the playoffs, and I understand he had a dud game offensively. I'm okay with him doing both, you know. He he did well on Kawhi, but that doesn't mean he can't score. But he's he's a little timid. I think there's definitely a, a confidence issue as far as like, am I ready to 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 go into there? And he seems to to want to pass a lot. But you know, I think it's just a matter of time before he gets some time in the league and and develops. I mean, you think about it, he came out at what 19. I mean, we just got to be patient with him. For, and he's doing pretty well for for being his second year, I would say. Yep. Well, Fred, I'm going to throw this one to you. Uh, I'm getting a bit worn out on the Joel drama queen Embiid. Am I playing tonight up to game time decisions? What's up with that? Personally, I don't think they should. I don't know. Understand? They got to put him on the report as probable or questionable or whatever. If that's not really the case, apparently he was on an IV. You know, he really was sick. If you watch the game, he did look out of it. You know, his movements were off, especially the first the first three, the, the whole game, really. You know, so maybe he was sick. But there's I, – I just don't understand. Even when Ben was out with gastronitis in the middle of the season, there's always – even if it's not in beat, it's always someone or something weird. And I just don't understand why they got to make it a big, big story. You know, you could put, call it in beat and, and the drama with it. Um I don't know if he necessarily did that for for game two of the of the divisional finals or whatever you call it. Well, semifinals. you know what? If you guys have ever had stomach distress where you feel like you got to run to the bathroom to do you know what, that's pretty tough to play basketball that way. So I kind of sympathize with Joel the other night because he was definitely in some pain, and I can't imagine trying to play a game of basketball against you know professional players with that kind of condition. So I'm going to cut Joel some slack on that one. Playoffs. It's the playoffs. <laughs> Come on, do have, man. Do you, have, do you have a sound bite of that, Jim Mora? It's the playoffs. I do not. I do not. Playoffs? Fred, I want to ask you, what, what is your prediction? What was your prediction going into this series, and have you changed at all having seen the first two games? I said Raptors in six or seven. Hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to stick with that prediction because – I just think they're a real good team, and it's a tough matchup for the Sixers, and I don't think they're going to sweep two in Philly. I think it's going to be 2-2 after four games. So what is your prediction? I, I originally said if you, if you put a gun to my head, I'm taking the Raptors in, in six or seven, but I still thought the Sixers could win in six or seven. Um, I'm going to say it's, going to, yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I'm going to, just, I'm going to be a homer here. I'm going to say the, the Sixers in seven. Ooh, I would well, love that. I went, I went with the Homer deal last week as well, Fred. So, uh, but we're we're gonna hang in there and hopefully, uh, hopefully this thing straighten or stays straight. They can uh, maybe they can win a couple on their home court, and that would sure help. I would love it. Well, if, if they get two, if they get two home, I'm I'm gonna be really excited because I got tickets to Game Six. So if I can get a closeout ah. game, that would be that would be my first ever a closeout game in a playoff series. It'd be awesome. There I'm pulling go. for you, Fred. All right, Fred. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you. We'll, we'll get get you back and talk Sixers. Hopefully, we'll be talking round three. Sounds good. Congrats again. Have a good one. All and right, Fred, Fred. Thanks, Fred. Just one thing, Fred. Seriously, all I, I want to thank you for all your help that you've provided us over the past year with the fantasy football stuff and with uh, the technical stuff, the equipment at our two live remotes. We're going to have a, another one of those this summer. So thank you for all of that, Fred.
Oh, Fred Absolutely. Jones. I second Fred that Jones. as well. I'm, I'm sure he's still listening. He just can't get yes. back home. All right. Hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Phillies teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mr. Chesco, tell us who is coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week. You know what? Before I do that, Bill, let's talk about uh, something new that we have. Can we do that first? Oh, sure. Yeah. Hot off the presses, Bill. Literally hot off the presses. You just picked them up. We have some real nice Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts. Not polo shirts this time, but T-shirts for sale. They are available in sizes medium through 2XL, I believe. And it's our red logo on the front and our sponsor's logos on the back. They're available in red, yeah, red on red, but it works, trust me, as well as a gray shirt with the red logo and a black shirt with the red logo. And get this, you can choose from regular material or dry fit. Price is $15 for the regular or $17 for dry fit. If you need them shipped, add $7 for one shirt, add $10 if you're ordering two. The ad for the shirts will be up on Facebook and Twitter first thing in the morning, if not sooner. But, yeah, really, check these out. They're pretty cool. Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts. You'll see them. You'll want one. Absolutely. They're really cool, Chad. And uh, as you said, I picked them up. Uh, We have them down here. I have actually worn a couple of them. And people who don't even know that it's a Philly thing are like, that's a really cool shirt. It's a cool logo. It shows good. <laughs> and I think the people will like them. It's uh, it's good. And of course, our sponsors are on the back. We appreciate them too, and uh, get, it gives a chance to show uh, for us to show them off a little bit as well. And my buddy Denny just texted me: "Blue collar workers love T-shirts." So all you blue collar listeners out there, get one of these T-shirts. There you go. I like what you're <laughs> thinking, Denny. All right, we think we think you'll like them, and uh, and certainly let either Chet or I know. You can either do it through. Uh, messaging or on our facebook or however if you know us texas however you want to do it and we'll get them right out to you they're sitting right here next to me in the philly press box florida office mm-hmm. so all right week, let's talk about next week who we got well you heard that opening that let's let's play that again because that was so cool uh it dan was baker cool. yeah i want to hear it again because uh, I have, i've only heard it like twice and i, I kind of like it here we go now entering the game for philly press box radio Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. <laughs> now, notice he mentions you first, but I got the bigger applause. I'm just saying. Well, you know, because <laughs> I'm just the other guy. You are the other guy. But I threw you a bone, put your name first. But anyway, yes, Dan Baker did that for us last week. I talked to him on the phone. He's uh, going through some medical stuff, as we said, but uh, even though he was in the emergency room over the weekend, he's back behind the mic. He was there last night. I'm assuming he's there tonight. He says he hopes he doesn't miss another game ever. So we hope that's the case. And we also hope that he will be in fine shape to join us next week on Thursday, Bill. Thursday next week, don't forget, May 9th. We will have Dan Baker joining us live, if all goes well. Also on the show next week, probably not live, because there will likely be a game six at the Wells Fargo Center. We are going to talk to a first-time guest, and I'm pretty excited about this. If there's a game six, she'll be on tape. If there's not a game six, if the series is over one way or the other, Crystal Rich from Sixers Outsiders will be joining us next week. Very cool. Very cool. Dan Baker, Crystal Rich. Thursday night next week, guys. Yeah, Thursday night. We'll we'll be sure we hit that up uh, in the in our closing, and we'll also be advertising out that we got some personal things going on. Had to just shift up for just for the week. Yep. Yes. Sir. All right. Chad, anything else that you have uh, before you hit your parting shot? You know, I I had some notes here. Now I can't find them. Oh, we, let's see. The Philly uh, Jewish Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremonies were last night. Howie Rosen among the honorees. My buddy Scott is involved with that, so uh, he got to meet Howie and all the other inductees last night, so that's pretty cool. Um, 
did you know, Bill, the Arena Football League uh, expanded. They were down to four teams last year, the Philly Soul and three other teams. Now they have two new teams, one in Columbus. And I just found out when I was flipping the channels Sunday night, they have another new team in Atlantic City. I had no idea. The Atlantic City Blackjacks were playing the Soul on Sunday night. So who knew? Did you know I, that? I saw it. I saw it on the TV listings myself Sunday, and I didn't know. I, yeah, I was flipping the channels. I said, what the heck is this football? No, oh, the Arena League started. No, wait, that's the Soul, but who's this AC? And, yeah, it was the Atlantic City Blackjacks. So I wish them luck. Hey, hey, Chet, uh, something I wanted to tell you, too, since we have a minute. You mentioned last week about the Masters in the green jacket. Yeah. And you followed that up with a little information on, on your post that you made on that. I talked to my buddy, Taylor Zarzer. Uh, if you remember, we talked about uh, Taylor a while back. He works for the Golf Channel and does uh-huh. play-by-play football. That's how I know him from. So I talked to Taylor about the green jacket, and he said, you are absolutely correct. Um, They can wear that all around the facility, but the only one that gets to take the jacket home is the winner for that year. So when they come back next year, they they must have a giant green jacket closet, (laughs) and they can go get the jacket and wear it on the facility during the tournament, and then they turn it back in. Yep. Pretty wild. Pretty How wild. about that? I didn't know they could go back and get the old ones. So it's not like there's a couple. There's a whole stack of them, you know, that <laughs> belong to those guys that they keep them. They keep them there. Yeah, that's a nice tradition, though. I guess I, I'm okay with it. it. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure you're looking all that cool cruising around town in your green jacket. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you think? Uh, right. Probably not. Probably not. Nah. All right. How about a parting shot for you, Mr. Chesco? Anything we missed? Uh, well, we covered a couple things we missed. I do have a parting shot. And one other thing that we missed, though, before that is the Fanatic had another birthday on Sunday. The guy never ages, but he has a birthday every year. And the Phillies are 30 and 11 on those Sundays where they celebrate the Fanatic's birthday. So they should celebrate the big green guy's birthday more often because they seem to win all the time. Well, there you go. There you, there you go. go. And by the way, Chet, uh, one of the things I was going to throw in the crap we missed, I believe Saturday night is Jimmy Rollins' night. Is it not at uh, Citizens Bank Park? Uh, I don't know. I know it was coming up at some point this spring. I didn't have the exact date, but you could be right. And Jimmy's uh, doing a little broadcasting work, too, occasionally for the team, too. So yeah. good for J-Roll. I was wondering if you would be at that game. I think there's a bobblehead associated with that, isn't there? Yeah, no, at this point, the only game I have plans to go to later this year is a, a Ryan Howard night, whenever that is, July or August. I got you. Uh, hey, now, Chad, how about, yeah. uh, how about a rest in peace to sports legends John Havlicek and Gino Marchetti, who both passed away this week? <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that, Bill. Yeah, rest in peace to those guys. And that brings me to my parting shot, and you did not even know that. But that's exactly what I'm going to talk about right now. As a prelude, Bill, to my parting shot, I'm going to take you back to the 1965 NBA Eastern Conference uh, Finals between the Sixers to? and Celtics. Yeah, at Boston Garden. Here we go. The Celtics are leading by one point. There are five seconds left. Greer is going to throw the ball in. Johnny? Hard. Greer is putting the ball in a play. He gets it out deep and Havlicek steals it. Over to San Jones. stole the ball. It's all over. It's all over. Johnny Havlicek stole the ball. <laughs> Johnny Most, the call on a memorable moment from the great Sixers-Celtics rivalry from days gone by, and my very first lasting memory from it. Number 17, John Havlicek ended the Sixers season in harrowing fashion that spring, and he was a thorn in their side and all other opponents' sides for 16 years in the league from the early 60s to the late 70s. Yeah, he was a Celtic, but he was also one of my all-time favorite non-Philly athletes from any sport. One of those guys who always gave 110%, was constantly in motion like an Energizer bunny, and a clutch player and a Hall of Famer who averaged 20.8 points over his long career. And, oh yeah, he had eight NBA titles. John Havlicek died last week at the age of 79 after a battle with Parkinson's. Rest in peace, Hondo. Yeah, what a player. What a player, no doubt about it. And uh, he played for them, so it was hard to like him. But uh, he, he certainly, uh, for those that kind of sit back and look at the whole big picture and look for great players, John Havlicek was certainly one of them. Gino Marchetti, Bill. also one of them, Chet, with the Colts. Unfortunately uh, for us, 
little bit before our time. I believe Gino was 92 when he passed the other day. Um, also known for Gino's hamburgers in that Philadelphia, yep. New Jersey area. That is true. And you know what else we missed, Bill? Today is the birthday of a lady who's been in the news quite a bit lately, Miss Kate Smith. Here we go. Come on, Kate. There you go. Rest in peace, Kate. And one more time for the people who wanted to hear it. God bless America. Thank you, Kate. There you go. All right, Chet. I think that's about wraps us up. Any uh, final thoughts? That's it. Wrap it up. We're out of here. All right. We have reached the top of the hour, so let's thank our special guest tonight, Ray Dittinger, Kevin McClure, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio Thursday, May 9th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcasts on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. Happy birthday to us. It's been a great five years. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the Gouvernaut Hills. I hope we pass the audition. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly!